You're listening to the voice of the Caribbean radio, your source for news, sports, and entertainment in the Caribbean. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis, a talk show and current affairs program focusing on St. Kitts and Nevis, the Caribbean, and international news. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, join host Andre Huey as he delves into topical issues of the day. We'll open the lines so you can call in and be part of the discussion. And he'll feature guests each week to help shed light on the various topics of discussion. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis with Andre Huey, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. with rebroadcasts on Wednesdays and Fridays, also at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Also listen on our Android mobile app and tune in radio. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis right here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. I'm your host, Andre Huey. On today's edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis, we'll be looking at the impact of COVID-19. It's an ongoing issue. It, it certainly is not going away anytime soon. And so we're going to be looking at the impact of it here in St. Kitts Nevis. We're looking at two aspects, um, the possibility of a vaccine being discovered. And um, we're going to be speaking with what the, what does this mean for the an end to the crisis or at least a uh, light at the end of the tunnel where that is concerned. Plus, we'll be speaking with uh, Azim Bailey, sound engineer and one who works in the entertainment industry on the impact of the entertainment, indust- entertainment industry in St. Kitts Nevis and around the world. All that's coming up on uh, this week's edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis. But first, we got to take a break and we'll be right back. This is VOC Radio, the voice of the Caribbean. In stressful times, you need relief, a way to release your stress and care for your health. You You need need Serenity. Serenity. Yes, Serenity Serenity Mobile Spa, where we come to your home and offer the very best in massage and spa treatment. Your health is our priority as we practice the highest hygiene procedures before, during, and after your treatment. Choose from massages to meet your physical needs, scrubs, facials, waxing, and much more. We also provide our customers a complimentary serving of refreshing local coconut water with each massage. During these restricted times, we urge our customers to stay healthy. We will come to you. Call us at 762-0157 or 760-8899. Find us on Facebook, Serenity Mobile Spa Thinking. Or email us at serenitymobilespa869 at gmail.com. Serenity Mobile Spa. Auto Plus Car Wash, located on the Collins Street Gut, Bastyr's in Kits. Bring your car to Auto Plus Car Wash to remove water stains, wiper marks, get your doors, roof panel cleaned, seat floor mats, buffing, headlights, and engine wash. You get quality service at the best price at Auto Plus Car Wash. They really care for your car. Call 765-5140 or visit them on the College Street Gut, Bastyr St. Kitts. Auto Auto Plus Plus Car Wash, where the service service is is number one. 
KVK Enterprises at Boyd's Housing Development, Trinity Parish, St. Kitts. For all your t-shirt printing, banners and signs, promotional products, shipping, motivational speeches, computer classes, agro-processing, art and craft, and desktop publishing. Come to KVK Enterprises at Boyd's Housing Development, Trinity, St. Kitts. Telephone 661-0118 or 765-7270. Email drkhrystus at kvklives.com or visit www.kvklives.com. KVK Enterprises. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, VOC Radio. Stay locked on. This is VOC Radio, the voice of the Caribbean. Welcome back to Let's Talks in Case Nevis right here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. I'm your host, Andre Huey. And as I indicated before we went on our break, we will be speaking on COVID-19. It is continues to be a topical issue right across the globe because of the impact it's having um, in countries. And uh, we, we hear talks about a second wave. We're not even sure if we're in a second wave because uh, countries like the United States have had a hard time controlling the cases. So we, we seem to be still in the first wave. I guess Dr. Martin can correct me. We have on the line Dr. Patrick Martin, former chief medical officer, in St. Kitts Nevis. Dr. Martin, good day. How are you doing? Are we still in the, in the first wave or we're in the second wave now? Good morning. Now, St. Kitts, um, St. Kitts and Nevis contained the first wave, and so we're bridging ourselves to the second wave. All right. And the second wave more than likely would come um, if and when the borders, or no, when the borders are reopened, basically. Absolutely. Mm. What about the U.S.? Is, is, would you consider what's happening in the U.S. a second wave, or is this still, still the first wave for them? It's a long-haul slog of a, of a first wave. Wow. Well, I brought you online to, to talk on matters pertaining to COVID-19, but in particular story that uh, broke yesterday um, in the international media as it relates uh, COVID-19 treatment trial, which is said to be a breakthrough. Just guide, us, uh, guide our listeners through what the story entails and what this means for COVID-19 and the pandemic in general. Well, some researchers in the UK have uh, reported um, promising results with an inhaled form of interferon. Mm-hmm. And and this and this is exactly this 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 is a treatment for for the virus for coronavirus. Correct. Um, so far, the results have shown that um, a seventy-five. 79% reduction in the need for intensive care for persons using this um, experimental um, product in inhaled form. In, in inhaled form. So it is, it is done as an in, in, uh, in, inhaler then, essentially. Well, that's, that's what this trial is about. Mm-hmm. What is this? Interferon, interferon um, is not new mm-hmm. to the world because we are aware that Cuba uh, was uh, pioneered its um, use back in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what, what does this mean, though, um, for, for uh, the, the pandemic that we're in as it relates to coronavirus? Every few weeks, we're hearing about promising um, treatments, while at the same time hearing, hearing about um, progress with vaccines. So you, you give vaccines to people who are not sick, and you give treatment to persons who are sick. So on both fronts, there appears to be some progress. Now, in terms of, um, I mean, if this treatment turns out to be groundbreaking and, and, and passes its, its clinical trials and ready to, for the market, um, does this mean it's, it's back to normal or do we still wait for a vaccine? No, 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 no. Remember, no, the treatments are for sick people. Uh, so there's, there's still um, a vaccine rollout will be, um, the, 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 you know, the, the, what, what we really need. To, to get back to some form of normalcy. And uh, it, it will not be right away because even after we get a vaccine, um, God willing, uh, which, was, which will still take mid to, to uh, around mid 2021, uh, according to the, to, to the scientists who are very careful about making predictions, sometime in 2021. There's still the economic fallout, which will continue beyond that. The economic recovery, especially of the, the, the nations that are most affect, most severely hit. We're going to talk so, a bit. So, you know, we will be dealing with, if we're not dealing with the, the health aspects of it, we will be dealing with the economic aspects of it for several years. Well, before we, we're going to touch on the economic before we, before we end the conversation, but I certainly want to, to talk a little bit about more the health aspect of it. Sure. Um, let's look at the U.S. We've seen the, the cases are rising in several states across the U.S. Why have they not been able to control? I mean, we're seeing where Europe, Europe has managed to get it you know, somewhat under control. In the Caribbean, for the most part, we've done pretty well where that is concerned. But why is it that the U.S. seems to be having a hard time grappling with, with coronavirus? Well... To try to use an analogy, if first you have a small tear in your shirt and you don't take care of it, uh, before you know it, you have a bigger tear and you, you have to throw away the shirt. Mm-hmm. If you didn't fix the small tear. So, so the reason, one of the reasons, one of the major reasons why the United States is behind is because um, when the virus genome was uploaded by the Chinese in early January, uh, a lot of countries that have the technology were able to manufacture the PCR result, PCR tests, based on the, what the Chinese did. Albeit the Chinese were about a week late in uploading, a week or two late, but um, persons were able to use the genetic sequence they uploaded to manufacture the PCR tests. Um, the Germany was the first to uh, manufacture a, a, a credible test, and the WHO bought several hundred thousands of those tests, tests for um, for global distribution. The United States said, "Thank you, but no thank you. We're going to make our own tests." And by the time they got around to doing that successfully in early March, the horses had already bolted. Mm. So, so the United States has been playing catch-up because of the delay in um, death testing 
and also applying the fundamental public health um, uh, measures such as contact tracing, uh, adding to the testing regime. Mm. Um, also, you know, if political political leadership is, is critical, um, we can see differences uh, between the United States and Brazil on one hand, and countries like Canada, Taiwan, uh, New Zealand on the other hand. Um, if your political leadership is in denial in the face of a pandemic, you will be in the wars for a very long time. Mm. Uh, the, with, with the situation in the U.S. as it is, and, and going back to the economic aspect, um, considering that most of the tourists that we have here or that comes to Kitts, that come to Kitts Nevis and the wider Caribbean are from the U.S., what does this mean for reopening borders for those countries who haven't, like here in Kitts Nevis, opened the borders yet? Open the borders yet? This goes to your question as to whether we're going back to normal. Uh, mm. we, will, we will not be going back to normal cruising and um, hotel uh, tourism marketing for a little while because, um, you know, we have to be very careful about um, where people are coming from. And I believe we will be uh, working on the Canadian and UK market uh, before we start working on the, um, the USA market. Mm -hmm. But is it realistic, though? I mean, considering that I know we do get Canadian tourists and we get some from Europe, but majority of our tourists come from the U.S. And, and, and you know, plans are all laid out in details for marketing in the U.S. Uh, we're going to have to, I, I think we have to diversify. Tourism is so fickle. It, you, you can't depend on one industry and you can't depend on one source so heavily. I think that's the new normal. But do we have time to diversify, Dr. Martin, considering that, you know, right. hotel plans are closed right now and, and people are out of work? Fine. Yeah, that's a very good point. If people don't have income, they're not going to travel. That's a very good point. But at least locally, locally, we should be laying the groundwork, uh, meaning bringing all the parties together political parties and uh, business um, interest stakeholders together, plus the public, sharing with the public. So we could hit the ground running when things ease up. Mm. A uh, bit. It, yeah, it is going to be, going to be quite interesting. I want you to give me your thoughts on what um, you think the health authorities here should do as we prepare to open up. Apart from looking at all the markets, as you pointed out, instead of focusing our attentions on the U.S., we might need to look at um, Canada and Europe and other places for persons to travel. But what needs to be done here, starting from the moment tourists arrive at the airport? Well, before they arrive, you have to communicate your health requirements. And that is easily done through the international uh, um, airline transport association, I think, IATA. You know, the, mm -hmm. so you can put your requirements in the system. We did that. We did that with Ebola. When the government imposed a travel ban from Ebola hotspots, that was communicated from the government, the international community, and so so airlines knew when somebody was holding a passport from um, banned countries that they couldn't travel. 
it's, it's very easy. The, the mechanism is there to communicate your health requirements. So communication. And then at the border, this is critical. Um, traditionally, uh, uh, border health has you know surrounded you know inspection of conveyance air, aircraft and ships and but the, the surveillance of passengers has to step up and so I I, I foresee uh, a much larger um, health unit at the uh, main ports of entry more visibility more equipment more personnel so you could intercept persons there rather than rather than having them get into the community and start spreading things it's best to do it at, as best as you can before or at the border mm -hmm. and of course once they get here um what protocols do you think uh, needs to be put in place well i agree with the i saw a protocol coming out of bermuda maybe about four or six weeks ago which i thought was very useful I, um, Antigua is doing something similar. I haven't seen what I haven't seen the Barbados protocol, but I imagine uh, it's similar because there's a certain amount of sharing within um, the Caribbean region. So in Bermuda, I saw that they required a, a a PCR, a negative PCR result seven days before you travel. You had to demonstrate that you were PCR negative seven days before you travel. And then when you got to Bermuda, they tested you again right away. And so if you had two negative PCRs within seven days, chances are there's a high likelihood that you are virus negative, you were free to go. Antigua had some had something similar, but I don't want to, um, I don't have all the details in front of me. Well, well actually, I actually wanted to talk to you about the Antigua one because there, were, there, there was a report that came out in the early part of when they reopened that suggested that they were being sued or some tourists were uh, contemplating suing or taking legal action against um, the Antiguan authorities because they did not want to do a test when they arrived here. No, they were told that, okay, there was some adjustment made, they were allowed to te get tested where they were and then come. Um, now, we understand that people are faking this, the, the COVID certificates and so there are people coming with fake negative certificates to say that they're negative. So it, it's, it seems to be a whole mess <laughs> when it comes to Antigua. Well, well, no, I don't think so. I think, I, I think uh, my colleagues in Antigua uh, are doing the best they can with the resources they have. But um, you have to put your foot down. Your public health regulations are the regulations. If you don't want to abide by them, don't come. Hmm. What about um, well in this? I think I think I yeah. think and I, I think that kind of message should go to if you don't want if you don't want to do in Rome what the Romans do, don't come. Well, that should be the message. But when you consider yeah, yeah. that you know it's it's you know the tourism aspect of it, <laughs> where you're literally you really literally want people to come to your country, and you want them to abide by your rules, you know no, you you're, you're let in a quandary. Uh, well, no, well, the, yes. Okay, it, 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 are you in a quandary or you have a decision to make as a, a country? The first rule is to protect your citizens, and so you can't, you can't sacrifice that. Yeah. You cannot, that cannot be sacrificed. 
if you, you have to protect your citizens first. if St. Kitts Nevis were to focus primarily on those countries that have seemed to have had COVID on the country, because even Canada, which we, we consider a, a, a probably a good example, they have had a, a spike of recent time. Um, would you still require those persons, uh, those persons from those countries, to to have that test and sure, come sure. and get tested sure. as well? So the, the protocol should be universal; should apply to all countries. Right. But the thing about Canada and uh, and places like Canada is that they have a single public health agency for the country, and so you have single standards, single reg- regulations. United States. That's 50 states plus the District of, of Columbia, and you can have 50 plus one um, different type of regimes to deal with. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask as well, as it relates to mandatory quarantine, we've seen that is a case that St. Kitts-Nevis has gone with returning nationals and those repatriating. They have to be quarantined, um, mandatory quarantine at a government-designated facility. Now, this is, of course, is designed to control the persons who are in quarantine to ensure that they do abide by the quarantine. Um, for tourists, though, that might be a different story. And, and um, we don't have all-inclusive resorts here, so it's not like persons can come and stay in the resort for 14 days. What do we do then? If you have a negative PCR seven days before you travel, and you have a negative PCR upon arrival, there's high likelihood that you do not have the virus. What should be done then is that people are tested upon arrival and kept in communicado until the test results are returned. That can be done once you're dealing with manageable numbers. Mm. And it's up then for your planning will then determine what your numbers uh, will be. Okay. Well, before we let you go, um, Doc, um, in terms of the situation that we're in here in St. Kitts Nevis, um, we're looking at schools to reopen in September. So aside from just reopening the economy, we still have to live and we still have to coexist. We do have uh, schools uh, slated to resume in September. Um, The Minister of Education said in a recent interview we had with him that some schools will reopen physically um, once they've met all the protocols, the COVID-19 protocols. What do you think should happen where schools are concerned? Because we know with students, especially younger students, it's not easy to keep them social distance, etc. We have to do the best we can with the resources we have, coupled with a strong, very strong Andre communication strategy using your platform and other platforms. But I am, I am confident that with good teachers giving the right messages to the children, the children will be very compliant and then carry the message home and tell their parents and, and, and grandparents what to do. Children are very good at, at, at teacher say, especially the younger ones. But keeping them home, doing keeping them home, keeping them out of the school setting when you are, are fairly confident that your, your numbers are low, um, you, you have to open the schools. I, I support that. While at the same time, having your public health services vigilant, uh, vigilant, um, each school being monitored, looking for hotspots. 
each school and each community looking for hotspots. So opening the schools has to be done in tandem with um, the strongest possible public health coverage. Likewise for opening the border. If you don't have the strongest possible public health coverage first, then um, you're going to be exposed. Yeah, indeed. Well, Dr. Martin, I want to thank you for taking time out to be with us here on Analyst Talks in Kisnevis. You're like a resident analyst <laughs> on the show. We've had you on several times. So we're really happy to have you on and, and for really giving us some insights. What was that label again? I, I said resident analyst. Okay, I will see if it's reflected in my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> thank okay. you very much. Not a problem. Thanks for, okay. thanks for being here. Okay. That's Bye. Dr. Patrick Martin. He is the former chief medical officer here in St. Nevis, uh, speaking to us on uh, matters pertaining to COVID-19 and the coronavirus. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we will be linking up with uh, Azim Bailey. We did a pre-recorded interview with him regarding the entertainment industry and the entertainment sector in St. Nevis and how it has impacted, has been impacted by COVID-19. We'll be right back after these messages. This VOC Radio, the voice of the Caribbean. In these stressful times, you need relief, a way to release your stress and care for your health. You You need need Serenity. Serenity. Yes, Serenity Serenity Mobile Spa, where we come to your home and offer the very best in massage and spa treatment. Your health is our priority as we practice the highest hygiene procedures before, during, and after your treatment. Choose from massages to meet your physical needs, scrubs, facials, waxing, and much more. We also provide our customers a complimentary serving of refreshing local coconut water with each massage. During these restricted times, we urge our customers to stay healthy. We will come to you. Call us at 762-0157 or 760-8899. Find us on Facebook, Serenity Mobile Spa Thinking. Or email us at serenitymobilespa869 at gmail.com. Serenity Mobile Spa. Auto Plus Car Wash, located on the Collins Street Gut, Bastyr St. Kitts. Bring your car to Auto Plus Car Wash to remove water stains, wiper marks, get your doors, roof panel cleaned, seat floor mats, buffing, headlights, and engine wash. You get quality service at the best price at Auto Plus Car Wash. They really care for your car. Call 765-5140 or visit them on the College Street Gut, Bastyr St. Kitts. Auto Plus Car Wash, where the service is number one. KVK Enterprises at Boyd's Housing Development, Trinity Parish, St. Kitts. For all your t-shirt printing, banners and signs, promotional products, shipping, motivational speeches, computer classes, agro-processing, art and craft, and desktop publishing. Come to KVK Enterprises at Boyd's Housing Development, Trinity, St. Kitts. Telephone 661-0118 or 765-7270. Email drkhrystus at kvklives.com or visit www.kvklives.com. KVK Enterprises. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, VOC Radio. Stay locked on. This This is is VOC Radio. Radio. 
the voice of the Caribbean. Welcome back to Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis. So before the break, we indicated that we will be having online with us, as in Bailey. Welcome to Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis right here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. And as I promised you, we have now on the line with us Azim Bailey. Uh, no stranger to this show. He's been on it a couple of times and we've been talking a lot of times about the entertainment sector and what we can do to improve it here in St. Kitts Nevis. But we're looking at a different challenge right now, um, and that is the COVID-19 and how it has impacted the entertainment sector here in St. Kitts Nevis and, and by extension the wider world. Azim, thanks for being here on um, Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis. Thank you, um, Andre. Thanks for having me on again. Um, it's always a pleasure when we get to sit and talk. Yes. Um, especially about entertainment. Definitely. Well, let me start by, by talking about your situation. How, how has the, the COVID-19 pandemic impacted you? Because uh, you work directly in the sector itself. Um, and I guess um, the thing is that no one really saw this coming. Um, everyone had plans. I mean, I, I had plans to be traveling this, this year. Um, new new opportunities arose that I was very excited to take advantage of. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, when St. Kitts closed down, I had opted out of a of a job in Germany. And had I not opted out, who knows, I might have still been, been in Germany all now. <laughs> you know, so um, it was interesting. It was interesting to see how it developed and developed quickly. Because in the, as, in, as you could tell, in entertainment, it, it, it's one of the industries that have been hardest hit because a lot of what we do depend on the gathering of people, right? And the movement. Mm-hmm. So yeah. COVID, you know, directly impacted me by, um, you know, touring has pretty much, it's non-existent. Um, and, and in terms of even being a musician and playing here locally, there are very few opportunities for that um, um, happening. We are just now seeing some bands um, getting opportunities to play as, as the restaurants start to open up again. But um, everything that I do in entertainment has has pretty much been been totally decimated. Thank, thankfully, mm. you know we had the, um, yeah, the the election campaign here that provided some opportunities for service providers, of which I'm one. And so, you know, that, that gave some relief, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it was definitely unforeseen and really forced you to, to take a look at, 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 at what you're doing and how you could really innovate to try and move forward. Mm-hmm. When, when, I mean, unlike most industries, most people in the entertainment sector don't necessarily have insurance against these things you know um right and so when these things happen it, it certainly impacts um the sector greatly as you have just explained from what you've seen across the world in other countries um that have a much more developed 
entertainment industry that we have here in St. Kitts Nevis. What are some of the things that you think they have done that has sort of helped those in the sector cope and, and get through this time? Well, I mean, <clears throat> globally, what we're seeing is just a use of technology to try and um, continue to work. Um, the thing is, because of the nature of of the industry where we gather to create content, where we gather to uh, display that, that, that content, it's become increasingly difficult to, to continue along those modes. And we, what we're seeing is persons using entertainment, um, sorry, technology, to really switch the way that we produce one um, in terms of, I know, some companies who have been allowing their uh, their, their employees, their, their, technic, their technical persons to work from home, even producing uh, some of this stuff from home. So, for instance, if you look at any of the late-night TV shows, you realize, you know, uh, the late-night with Stephen Colbert, um, the, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, these things are now being produced at home and edited at home as, as rough footage is sent around to editors and stuff like that. So technology has become increasingly important in allowing us to adapt to the present situation. In terms of music specifically, we've seen how technology has allowed persons to continually connect with to live virtual streams. We've had some of them here in St. Kitts as well. Um, and, I, and I know there are plans to, to continue along that trend. So the, the, the innovation is being driven out of necessity, but I think that it's been interesting to see how it's developed. One of the things that has been hopeful, uh, has been a positive, has been the increased consumption of media, right? So because so much people have been stuck at home, um, because there are less options in terms of going out and stuff like that. You know, most places are still on the curfew. We see a lot of persons increasing the, uh, you know, the, the Netflix um, consumership. Uh, we see that uh, streaming has gone up something of 70% globally uh, since the pandemic. So as a matter of fact, in, in the UK, we see that uh, some of the digital service providers, the streaming platforms, actually dropped the streaming quality because they were finding that they, it was too much for the infrastructure to handle because there were so many people streaming at once. So definitely technology has been the, the thing that has allowed content creators to continue to create and for consumers to continue to consume. Yes, indeed. Um, and you know, you talked about the, the, the streaming platforms and the fact that um, more entertain, in, entertainment uh, or persons in the entertainment industry are now utilizing the virtual platforms. Um, describe how that situation has been in St. Kitts Nevis. And then you could even go a step further and, and talk about how these opportunities can be used locally to generate income for, for persons in the entertainment industry? Because we, we've seen a lot of uh, virtual, I mean, we just had the election campaign, for example, where there was a lot of right. uh, uh, virtual um, uh, campaigns, uh, virtual meetings taking place. Well, yeah, like I said, technology has definitely allowed persons to continually connect with interested, with persons who are interested in the content that they're creating. Um, we had the rap scene series, that featured a, a number of local entertainers um, 
and 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 that was an opportunity for entertainers to continually um, perform and get their their talents seen and consumed. One of the issues with that though is that is the monetization of the of the performances and of the content. What we find is that globally, not even just here in Sinkits, but globally, advertisers have been cutting back on on spending. Um, and there's a there's a lot of of reasons for that, not including I mean you see advertisers now who are producing their own content because they don't want to come off as being as let's say tone deaf given the present climate, you know just seeking money and wanting whatever there's been a a a, a lash a lash back from 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 consumers to some advertisers who seem to just constantly be pushing their their goods and products, and even here in think it's that has been the issue where a lot of the productions, those that are being done and hosted by the artists themselves, are really funded by the artists. And it's been a struggle. Um, as somebody who has been um, intimately involved in trying to put some of these things together, to find sponsors to come on board, to find um, companies that want to advertise on, 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 the, on the platform that you're now creating. So monetization has been a, a real issue and I think the industry is now trying to figure out what that model is going to look like moving forward because we understand that this is not going anywhere. This is where we're at now and just like when um, you know, the download revolution came in and we had to st- spend some time to figure out exactly how that was going to look and how the money was going um, to be divvied up and collected, I think that's where we're at right now with the with the, with the virtual shows and stuff like that. Here in Sinkits, I feel that the advertisers, the corporate community, potential sponsors must recognize that these events, these virtual events, do have a lot of potential um, in terms of viewership and persons looking on. And so it is an opportunity for them to partner with some of the, the creators to to make it worthwhile for the for the entertainers to continue to do these things and also to get the message across to their to potential um, consumers or potential um, clients. It's not necessarily that they don't support or like the artists and the music, but we don't have a culture of paying to consume the, the content. Um, and so I think that is something that any organizers... Except for Netflix, of, any, of course. Yeah, they're gonna have they're gonna have to to take that into consideration. Like I was saying earlier, I feel that we need to take another approach. I think the approach needs to be that if the money made must come from the corporate community, must come from advertisers, sponsors, um, because what we are recognizing, you, you, yeah, okay. For instance, you had a the event like the vaccine, right? that had up to 3,000 viewers at one time and so at some, at some of the events, mm-hmm. right? That is more than you would see at even a music fest most, most, most nights. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that what the advertisers want is access to those eyeballs, access to persons who are consuming the event. I think that promoters, whether it is the government, the carnival committee, or even private promoters, or even creators themselves, must understand that what they bring to the table is an access to their fan bases. And so being able to leverage that 
in negotiations with, with sponsors, I think that might be a better model. But I do think that even that model is going to take time before we start seeing the real returns and the real um, money coming into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back now to what we see happening in other countries, um, for creators, creators here, people in the, especially the music industry, music uh, basically forms most of our creative industry, uh, most con- basically is, is a large part of the creative industry here. In yeah, definitely. Names. Um, what do you propose now that creators do other than you know going virtual and finding ways to brand and market themselves uh, what can be done to help creatives in St. Kitts Nevis to, to earn in, in this COVID economy because as you rightfully pointed out um, you know COVID is here for some time to come yeah that's, and that's, that's, the, that's the difficult part the difficult part is that we don't know when the end is coming um, you spoke about globally we we see that there is a real concern by television networks, um, streaming platforms like Netflix, just figuring out how are they going to maintain because, of course, filming has pretty much come to a, to a complete halt. We have a crew of 200 people trying to film a, a, a TV show, a sitcom, a movie. It's very hard to adhere to social distancing guidelines in a lot of these these, these regions, and so one of the actually one of the advantages of of music is that we can still create because whether it is making an initial investment and um, investing in investing in um, you know recording equipment or even just you know, now that stuff has opened up a bit, continuing to go to the studio and, and record, um, that is going to be important. Content creation, however it is done, is going to be critical. Now, finding ways for that content to be consumed is also going to be the next step because, we, like I said, we see that streaming is up almost 70%. And so if you have content that's being put out there and being put out there regularly, that can provide some source of income. One of the other things that we are seeing is that there is a movement now where the virtual events are being done across borders. As a matter of fact, we have one coming up, um, I think is on large radio, where there's literally a band clash between a Dominican band and Small Axe. Oh, interesting. And Small Axe, yeah, they're supposed to have a band clash and it's going to be done totally online. Mm. So, these are things now that are, are presenting themselves and I think especially persons in the music industry have to find ways to position themselves. Yeah, the Roots Picnic, which is one of the most anticipated um, concerts and festivals in, 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 urban, in urban music in the United States and that was done totally virtually this, this past year. This year. So um, there are opportunities to still perform and perform virtually and so Persons are going to have to invest, like I said, in equipment to be able to, you know, create this content at a level that they could then shop around and present. Because one of the things that I find is going to happen too is that performances are going to be filmed and those performances are then going to be sold to promoters to create content for their, for their festivals, for their events and, and, and so forth. So whereas you might have been, had to travel to tour 
now you could tour virtually, right? And I think that is that is going to be one of the new things that we're going to be seeing where persons are going to be leveraging one performance, but several different shows. Mm-hmm. So we have to remain creative. We have to remain innovative. We have to continue continually produce content. And we also have to look for new markets to place that content and um, continually try and find ways to create leverage in this space when negotiating with, with um, potential um, clients, whether it is advertisers or promoters. And what do you think about a carnival, a virtual carnival? I know um, just recently the chairman of uh, Carnival, um, Shannon Hawley, suggested that some of the events will have to go virtual based on the COVID-19 situation, especially if it, if it gets worse. Well, I think that is, it is important for there to be a carnival. Um, if it so happens that the health officials, you know, suggest that carnival cannot be held in the, in the usual way, you know, I guess there are a lot of droplets in that ocean that we call Juve, for for example. Yeah, um, that's a no-no for sure. <laughs> yeah, so so things like that, um, we anticipate that that might not be, uh, you know, possible. But I do think it's important, uh, you know, for showcase of talent, for showcase of Kittishan culture, and also, even more importantly, as a way to promote Senkit's um, carnival for carnival for years to come. That the, the that the that there is something something has to be done, right? And so the question that I would pose to the organizers is: What is the goal of the virtual carnival? If it, if it is just to say that something was done, then I don't think that is that is the best mindset to to take. But if it's something that is going to highlight Kitishan culture, that is going to highlight the talents that we have here on island, because one of the things that happened with the virtual campaign is we basically had a we basically had a local music festival, you know. If you really stop and look at it, yep, we basically that, had that, a, a local true. music festival. And I, yeah, persons and persons from all around the world. I had people in New York who was calling me and telling me, "Bye, what time the artist coming on tonight?" Mm-hmm. They just tune, mm-hmm. they tune in nightly to yeah. see the artist. Right, right. And so, carnival, carnival is another opportunity to showcase the mm-hmm. local talent, as well as, like I said, to, it's a real opportunity to invite persons or the ads that are played during the, the, the ads that are played, played during the, um, the events, um, farming partnerships now with, with companies and different islands so that we could, um, advertise packages and stuff for the upcoming carnival for music festival next year. Stuff like this, I think is going to be where carnival, the virtual carnival can play an enormous role in helping us bounce back, especially in the entertainment, um, industry. Um, and it's one of the things that is very important to note is that so far, think it has been on the radar of almost all the countries in the region in terms of the quality that's being produced in our virtual events. Mm-hmm. The virtual campaign, I know for sure, was 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 really looked at as wow, like how how I had I was getting calls as how are you guys producing this deal, mm-hmm. right? You had um, Saint Thomas that. Ended up with the uh, you know the carnival dropping dab smack in the in the middle of, of lockdown, and they they had virtual events which you know were very small scale, but I think it was important for them to do something as well. They had Saint John um, carnival that would have taken place um, like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know two three weeks ago around the July fourth weekend, and they also had virtual events which basically took the form of 
um, you know, stage performances. Um, but I think that we have a little more time to prepare. We have a lot of innovative minds here and we have a lot of talent and a lot of creative people, a lot of creatives. And I'm hoping that the product that we are able to produce at Carnival, whether it's outdoors or virtually, sets the tone for the rest of the Caribbean moving forward. And I think that's very possible. You raised a very important point, though, a very interesting point about the uh, virtual political meetings being uh, uh, like a local music festival, essentially. Um, yeah. And we, we always know that around election time, when these parties have their public meetings, not only here, but else in other countries as well, the same thing happens. There's a lot mm-hmm. of imported talent that comes in. So you have, you know, the big name artists from other parts of the Caribbean coming in to perform at at the campaign meetings of these political parties and yeah the local acts get a they, they get a do but they never yeah, get this yeah. kind of attention like before right definitely definitely i think that what this campaign did was prove to a lot of persons and not not just the persons in 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 power or in place of influence but just regular persons who are consuming the events that wow like we have all this talent like a lot of a lot of artists would have been reaching out to new demographics because of this. But like you said, it is something that happens, you know, every five years where all of a sudden, you know, persons seem to recognize the influence that um, local talent has and talent in general, especially musicians have, and and they, they utilize it to try and get their message across. But it was very interesting to see that for a campaign that lasted somewhat, um, you know, say two to three weeks that almost every night by almost every political party on the island that there was some form of entertainment being included as part of their of their campaign, as part of their 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 meetings. I think that was very interesting to see. Well, before we let you go, uh, Azim, I want to get your thoughts on what you think is going to happen generally, globally in the future, apart from just the virtual um, aspect, which you expound on quite well. You before at the start of the show, you talked about the fact that you you were almost going to travel to Germany for a job just before the COVID hit, um, and so yeah. you, you basically you'd be stuck in Germany today if you had gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do you see touring and traveling, and in your case, you know, visiting festivals to do uh, to, to 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 man man the, their sound sound system and all these things? Where do you see that going in the very near future? Let's say as early as twenty twenty one which is, as you could quint, is around the corner. Well, I think the the industries in general that are going to see success coming out of this um, this pandemic are going to have to thrive in, well, are going to have to really do well in three areas. They're going to have to first respond, they're going to have to recover, and then, of course, they have to thrive. So... What I think is happening now, we are in the response phase. We are, the innovation is being driven. And I think moving forward, what is going to happen is we can't go back. We are not going to go back now because the, 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 the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. And so we are going to see, especially in the bigger countries, especially in, in countries that were harder hit, because what you're going to find happening is that the response and the culture is going to change depending on how serious or how severe the impact of the of the virus was in those particular regions. So for instance, here in St. Kitts, I think that 
you know, eventually we are going to get back to somewhat of a normal normalcy in terms of live events. Persons are going to want to go. People want to go outside. People want to party. People want to do all these things, right? And so we're going to see that happening. But that is driven mainly because we were able to deal so well. We didn't have any debts, thank God. Hopefully there's none uh, moving, moving forward. And so, but in places where they've seen death, where they've seen a lot of cases, persons suffering, you're going to see a different response. So I think in some of these bigger countries, you're going to see events that are usually held in stadiums. Um, touring is going to go way down. We are going to have more intimate events. So whereas I might, I might tour a stadium, and now I might only tour 500 seat theaters, right? You're going to see um, a new adherence to to hygiene. You know, persons um, continually asking, being asked to to sanitize and stuff like that. Social distancing, I don't know how is that, how that's going to work in our industry moving forward. There's so many unanswered questions, really. But I do think that we're going to see um, touring and, and live events and stuff be coming down and being repackaged as being more intimate experiences, more premium experiences. And so you'll find ticket prices going up because there are no less seats um, for, for, for in-demand artists. Um but travel, I don't, I mean, traveling is starting to come back in some places. Um, you know, you, if you want to get somewhere, you can, you know, pretty much. You might have to do a little quarantine here and there. But until we see the quarantine, you know, procedures being laxed, I don't see touring coming back. Because if I'm going to, if I'm going to, let's say, you know, if I was, I was coming to sing it to do an event, I'm not going to come in two weeks ahead of time to quarantine for 14 days to do a tour one show, right? And so I think what happens in the aviation industry, the travel industry, that is going to vastly impact um, live events and how we move forward. I really don't see, I mean, some of the forecasts that I'm hearing is not until fall. Concepts not coming back close to what they were prior to the pandemic until the fall of, of 2021, maybe even 2022, early 2022. So, there's just so much unknowns. Um, the development of a vaccine is something that's being looked out, looked out for by the industry. I'm hoping that that could then spark, you know, some like some more relaxed um, procedures. But there's just so much unanswered questions, so much unknowns that it's very difficult for you to even plan moving forward. But hopefully, we see the industry in a position where it could bounce back because uh, you know that. Globally, media and entertainment is the biggest employer of persons between the ages of 15 and 29 worldwide. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people suffering right now. Um, estimates are like 30 million people involved in, in entertainment and media worldwide right now. So it's something that really needs to be looked at. And, and hopefully we could see some, some light at the end of the tunnel or some light at the end of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, and we could, we, could, we could see some things returning to normal sooner rather than later. Definitely. Well, Azim, we want to thank you very much for being on the show and we certainly wish you all the best, especially in this time because we know that you are heavily impacted. So you have to find creative ways to, to earn an income while, while the situation returns to normal or close to normal at least. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's now about reassessing and retooling and um, becoming creative, finding ways to, to use your skills in, in, in new ways. 
and um, finding opportunities where you may not have looked prior. But um, it's been a real pleasure um, in speaking with you, Andrew. It's, it's, it's always... It's always fun coming in and speaking to you guys. Definitely. I, I always like having you on the show as well. Before I let you go, though, a thought just did cross my mind as a question I actually wanted to ask. So if I could get your quick thoughts on this. I know in Jamaica, uh, which, again, has a much more developed entertainment platform and industry than we do here in St. Kitts Nevis, but um, they have, the government is, is, is looking at the possibility of giving uh, persons in the entertainment industry some relief, some relief money. Um, I know the government here has done as best as he can in terms of offering relief but do you think that's something that can probably be considered for people who would have earned income in the entertainment industry it might not be a huge sum but nonetheless something well the way i'm looking at it um this is something that i've actually been discussing with some persons is that i think that the government should invest in the in the entertainment and media industries not only just in terms of relief um for you know, practitioners and persons involved in the industry, but in ways that uh, can spark spark the, the development of, of the industry. So, for instance, one of the things that I had been um, suggesting is governments around the world looking for ideas, and, you know, almost like a competition or persons handing proposals for ways in which they, they think that they could continue to push creative um, creative arts and entertainment and those proposals then be looked at by persons within the government and some funding become available to try and jumpstart some of those initiatives. I think that is a way that the, the governments could really help the industry because like you said, like I said, entertainment, creative, creative um, arts, music, all of these things, uh, something that employs multiple people. It's a collaborative effort. And so when we have projects that are on board and are coming, there's a lot of people that are then brought in, brought into the fold and can benefit. So that way I feel like instead of just, let's say, giving money to people in the entertainment, because there are people in every sector that are suffering. Tourism is hard hit, for example, right? Um, finding ways to put money behind Creative initiatives is a way that I think the governments could really help the, the industry to, to, to evolve and move forward. All right, Azim, thanks again. And um, again, we wish you all the best and we look forward to probably hearing from you not too distant, not too far from now on, on the latest progress. All right, man. Thank you so much for having me once again, man. It's been a pleasure. Definitely. So that's uh, Azim Bailey speaking to us here on Let's Talk St. Kitts Nevis on Voice of the Caribbean, read at voiceofthecaribbean.net. On that note, we end this edition of Let's Talk St. Kitts and Nevis. It is indeed a pleasure uh, for you to join us. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, making it uh, the program for today. And uh, remember that you'll have a rebroadcast of this show Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the remainder of the week at 10 a.m. right here on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. From all of us here at Voice of the Caribbean, I'm Andre Huey, and do have yourself a pleasant rest of your day, and stay tuned to the station reaching the Caribbean and beyond, Voice of the Caribbean Radio. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis, a talk show and current affairs program focusing on St. Kitts and Nevis, the Caribbean, and international news. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Voice of the Caribbean Radio, join host Andre Huey, as he delves into topical issues of the day. We'll open the lines so you can call in and be part of the discussion. And he'll feature guests each week 
to help shed light on the various topics of discussion. Let's talk St. Kitts and Nevis with Andre Huey, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., with rebroadcasts on Wednesdays and Fridays, also at 10 a.m., on Voice of the Caribbean Radio at voiceofthecaribbean.net. Also listen on our Android mobile app and tune in radio. Voice of the Caribbean Radio, reaching the Caribbean and beyond.